Hi, everyone. This is Becca. I wanted to do a little intro before we get this show started today uh, to let you know that we recorded this episode before the world kind of exploded into protests and much needed action to uh, advocate for police reform and for police who murder people to actually be charged and convicted of crimes. We are absolutely supporting that cause. uh, And we want to make sure that our listeners also have an opportunity to do so. So at the end of this episode, instead of our usual uh, ask to give us money, we'll be sharing with you a number of organizations and people doing the work that we are following and giving our money to. Links will also be in our show notes to those. Highly encourage you to vote with your dollars because money talks and uh, use it to support these organizations and to support this cause, ACAB. With that, uh, here's an episode we recorded in a time that feels totally different from today, even though it was a week ago. This is Intertractional, an exploration of Star Trek through an intersectional feminist lens. Star Trek is both a reflection of our society and an aspiration for our future. The stories it tells shape our world. Intersectionality explores intersecting forms of oppression and how they affect individuals with compound identities. Star Trek is for feminists. Hi, Becca. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Intertrekkies. Hi, everybody. So we're coming at you with like an extra episode right now as uh, we're on hiatus. I know we didn't like formally announce that, but should hopefully be clear. While we while we figure out what we're doing for season four, we wanted to just have a little chat in the yeah, intro. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we hope you're shelter in place or whatever version of this weird pandemic world we're living in is uh, happening for you is going well. We wanted to offer you something by way of entertainment. Oh, and then like also also let you know we uh released a bonus episode, which you can find on our pod fan. That's pod.fan slash intertractional. Um, there's like a donation fee, and then you can listen to our episodes. This one's about the Orville. Yep. That's we all. get into the Orville. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. What do we think of it? You don't know yet. Oh, yeah, you'd go go over there to figure out what all, all of our thoughts are about the Orville, because we have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so today, what we're going to do is we're just going to talk to each other about the TV that we've been watching, and uh, talk also you, you'll get to hear about what we've been watching, and it's quarantine time. Yeah. So, so Becca, what have you been watching? Because I, I told you, a, I'll tell you again, but I told you a little bit about what I've been watching uh, before we started recording, So, and I genuinely don't yeah. know what you've been watching. Most recently, I rewatched all of the Matrix movies, oh. <laughs> which, okay, so <laughs> 1999, I was 16, no, 1999, I was 13. Mm-hmm. That's when the Matrix came out, mm-hmm. and then the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions both came out in 2003 
when I was 17, 16 or 17, whatever. Um, and I, of course, was obsessed with the Matrix as a kid or as a teenager. Yeah. And when when the sequels were coming out, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so excited. I totally want to see this movie. It's possible that I saw it for my birthday because, like, blockbuster movies often come out around my birthday, which is in the beginning of May. Um, and I remember being deeply offended by the second movie. Oh. <laughs> I remember thinking that it was horrible and that I could never forgive it and that oh. I was going to like not see the third movie in protest. So I had actually never seen the third movie until oh. this week. Wow. Um, I- Sorry, that's my only reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know so many things. I want to know why you hated the second movie. I want to know what you think of it now. Just, just keep going. Yes, yes, yes. I so I hated it. I hated. It. I think that the reasons, if I can like put myself back into a sixteen or seventeen year old me's mindset, I think the things that I really disliked about the second movie were influenced by the fact that I saw it with my parents. Mm. <laughs> There's like a long orgy scene. A third of the way into the movie. Uh (laughs) And I was like sitting next to my mom or my dad and just being like, oh, my God. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, I think that it's like I think it's weirdly paced. I I don't particularly care for it. And then the thing the thing that I did that I disliked then and I'm disliked today uh, is the character of the Merovingian, who's like this French person, but also a computer program, who's just like a total like sexist pig, mm. who's like the main villain of the second movie. And I, uh, I don't know that he he drove me crazy then. He continues to drive me crazy now. The orgy scene, however, I have come around on. <laughs> Oh, I remember there's a really hot chick in the second movie. That is most of what I remember about it. Um, oh, I think that was Cap- Captain. Um, oh, she's a captain of one of the other ships who was like used to be Morpheus's girlfriend and now is not. And like also as I'm like pretty sure it's Jada Pinkett Smith. I haven't looked that this is up. Probably not, that is not who I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm thinking no. of like the hot girl who like. I think worked for or belonged to the evil guy who you hated. And she's like, Oh yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. That is, um, Oh fuck. I just looked her up cause she's really hot. Yeah. Um, and she's like Italian or maybe Spanish. Yes. Um, yes. That is, who, that is who I'm thinking of. And then she was in several magazines, right? When that film came out and I remember like cutting out, the pictures of her and and like putting them on this collage on my wall with my other uh matrix and fashion stuff <laughs> monica bellucci yes that yes. is most of what i remember about i remember liking the second film but not as much as the first one and then i remember hating the third one and thinking that it wasn't mm. very good yeah the third movie i think it like in this viewing which is the first time that i've seen it i i think i enjoyed it um or i i mean i know that i enjoyed it i'm not 
sure that I have a critical analysis of it or whether or not it is a good movie. But like as a viewing experience, watching these three movies together uh, in my bed, (laughs) I had a good time. I should rewatch it. I think it's similar to you. I haven't seen the third movie since I saw it in theaters. I remember thinking like it wasn't good enough and being feeling deflated with the conclusions that it comes to and uh, Mm. then never watching it again. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't really remember why. It's possible that the ending is a bit trite. Um but I don't know that there is any other narrative conclusion that would have made a lot of sense and also saved everybody. Like maybe if everybody had died at the end, it would have made more sense. Spoiler alert. Not everybody dies. at the end. <laughs> Right on. Right on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So that's what I watched most recently. Uh, the other thing that I haven't told you, but I think you'll be excited, is I've watched now all of S- The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <gasps> oh, yes, I am excited. <laughs> I love that show. Oh, my God. What do you think? I My roommate was watching it in the living room, and I totally got sucked in to, like, an episode that's like towards the end of the first season. And then I went back and watched all the first season and all the second season and now all the third season. Um, And I, I like it a lot. I'm like, it's got the campiness that I can totally be in for. Um, What like, the reason that I was resistant to watching it, even after you said like, I love this show and you should definitely watch it. Um, is that it's one of these properties that is very obviously like banking on my personal nostalgia. Like mm. when I was a teen, I watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch every Friday with my family. It was one of the things I was like very into. Um, and like I think Char- Charmed is also on this list. Star Trek also on this list um, of like things that I grew up with that are now being like rebooted or retread like treaded in some way. And I I was like, no, I'm going to protest this because I like nostalgia is toxic and also like make new things, which yeah. is a position that I try to live by, but also like fail miserably at actually um, <laughs> holding true to. So I actually really liked Sabrina. <laughs> and maybe now I'll go watch that charmed show that's new. It's not as good. I would say it's not as good mm. as Sabrina or as good as the original Charmed, but I'm still watching it. So, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I I think that the chilling adventures of Sabrina are sort of like the inheritors of the torch of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, yes, kind of like in in tone, in like campiness, sexiness, uh, witty characters, people going through their teenagerhood with like monsters as metaphors. Um, it's it's like updated for like uh, all kinds of sex stuff. It's like updated for trans, updated for like gay bdsm like it's you know it does a lot of the stuff that buffy was doing but like for a more inclusive group of people um more inclusive Mm -hmm. racially as well um 
I think at times the show is super confused about what its own mythology is or like how (laughs) good or evil the witches are or how things work. Um, But I forgive it because it's just really good. And I think most of the actors do a really good job. And um, yeah, it's I love that. I love um, Hilda and Zelda. Yes. Especially Zelda and but like both of them for different reasons. Like I think their characters are great. I really like the actresses who are playing them. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I agree. I think the like the the representation of people of color is happens whereas in the original like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I don't I don't remember seeing a person of color mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. whole series. Maybe there was, but I don't remember. It's like they were in it for an episode maybe. Um, yeah, and I think that, like, the, the Church of Night, which worships the Dark Lord, a.k.a. Satan, uh-huh. is, is very obviously working to, like, be a metaphor for the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And They're kind of like I the really anti-Catholic like Church. Yeah, it's like the anti-Catholic Church, but, like, a lot of things that happen in it are, like, just like the like upside down version of like Catholic rituals. Yeah, I assume I've only ever been to mass one time. Oh, um, I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no offense, Catholic. But I like just how speaking as a former Catholic. <laughs> do, do you? I mean, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I don't think that that had directly uh, occurred to me um, in in that way. But I, I do – they do take a lot of Catholic things and turn them on their head, um, which I think having been raised Catholic, I just sort of see as like they're mocking all religion because I'm like I, – I, I sort of put a lot of other religions into that box mm-hmm. and I'm not as well versed in like ways in which uh, non-Catholic Christianity works. Sure. I think similar to you, and it's like I've been I. to non-Catholic Christian church like once or twice. So I, I'm like, I don't really know that. So to me, it was just like Christianity, but it's like definitely um, my understanding of Christianity is very Catholic. So mm-hmm. what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I felt like because they had like these various churches that were all like r- rolled up into like a magistrate that oversees all of them and that like all of the people in the church in positions of power are men. Um, and so mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. Kind of, and it's, definitely the power structure. Definitely. Yeah. And like all the shit that bothered me when I was a kid, I was like, why don't the nuns have as much power? Like, why aren't there lady priests? And like, those are directly issues that they take on in the show. Um, mm-hmm. And there aren't really good answers. The answers are like, because. And then it's like sort of disappointing. Like you, you'd think that like, you know, maybe devil worshippers would get to be feminist, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the show is feminist. Oh I think no, the yeah, show the is show like- is super feminist. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, like in the world, I'm like, I want it to be better in the world, but like, so does Sabrina, you know, and like, exactly. so do eventually like a lot of the like that is an issue. It's kind of like Mad Men, where it's like the world itself is sexist, but the show is not sexist. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, if I that think makes you're right. sense. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah. Sorry, I just so, plowed over your point. That's yes. No, I didn't. I don't think I had a point. I was like, I don't think I. Uh, I think the only other, <laughs> uh, the only other thing that I think about this show is that so there's a character whose name is Ambrose, and mm. he's a man and a person of color, um, but he's like cursed or in some sort of like punishment where he ha- he cannot leave the Spellman estate. Mm. And the character of Salem in Sabrina the Teenage Witch is a warlock who is cursed and trapped in a cat's body. And I just feel so like Sabrina, the chilling adventures of Sabrina, like also have a cat named Salem who's her familiar but like has a totally different function from Salem in Sabrina the Teenage Witch Yes, and I think that the function that Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch has is this like very similar function to what Ambrose has in Mm. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and I'm like did you replace a black cat with a black man oh shit (laughs) so as okay that didn't. I had not watched as much of. I, I watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch like a little bit, um, but not like when I would spend the night at my friend's house. Like I didn't regularly mm. watch it. Um, so that had not occurred to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, like sure is it that problematic, anything. or did they like create room for like a black man to be on the show? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's an astute observation. <laughs> <laughs> what I really like about Ambrose is that when you first meet his character, you think that he's gay. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he's bisexual. Um, or at least pansexual. And I really like uh, whenever there are representations of uh, bi and pan characters on TV and sometimes when mm-hmm. that happens, it's like, oh, they're not gay anymore, or they were straight, but they're gay now. But like this show is like, no, he's got some male lovers, he's got some female lovers, and now he has another male lover, and it's just like that is who he is. That is how we're representing him. Um, yeah. So uh, I'd forgotten I to mention that when you first brought up Sabrina, but it made me really happy. Uh, and I like that he also yeah, it's great gets to stay super feminine and sort of like coded as like swishy even though he later Mm -hmm. like hooks up with some chicks like he gets to be this Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. femme dude um who also hooks up with chicks like that's fun and interesting too yeah and it's it's all very very sexy yes yeah he's hot yeah it's good So that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Oh, man. I just binged all of The Great on Hulu. Um, It's just called The Great, but it's about uh, Catherine the Great and Hmm. uh, her her quest to, um, I don't know what the word is, to depose, to to commit a coup over her husband and become Empress of Russia. Um, Uh It's kind of like, I don't know if you remember... um, Oh, that movie that Sofia Coppola did about Marie Antoinette. 
I do remember with uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yes. Is it's like yeah. if that movie had had a plot or like more dialogue. <laughs> Um, in that it's kind of anachronistic, like the costumes they wear are a little bit more modern, like they're very much like period piece costumes, but like with more fun fabrics and like more fun hair colors and more fun lipsticks. And um, they sort of talk in an old timey way, but then they also sort of talk in a very modern way. Um, at the same time, like they cur- they say mm. things like suck my cock and like they call each other bitches. <laughs> Um, they also say huzzah a lot, which is just like very weird because like they're also supposed to be Russian and they all have British accents. Um, <laughs> it's a Classic. little bit like Hamilton and that the casting is sort of race blind. Like uh, there hmm. are um, black people playing Russians and black people playing Swedes, but then also like all the main characters are white. So it's like not not all the main characters, but like the principal characters like. Catherine the Great and like Peter the Adequate, whatever his thing is, <laughs> is like like they're both white, so it's like okay, but um, but then there are like lots of people of color, um, of like various uh different races like throughout the cast, so it's a little Hamilton ish that way, um, but mostly it's just really really fun and really really funny, um. And I'm hmm. I'm enjoying it, and it's only mildly historically accurate. I think it says at the beginning like um, an occasionally true story. <laughs> nice, um, which is making me feel better about watching it. My uh, my husband pointed out to me that um, uh, that Catherine the Great was later responsible for um, killing a lot of Jews in Russia and like a mm. lot of pogroms, which um, I didn't know. Uh, not so great. So I don't, uh, yeah, not so great. So I don't know if that's going to be in season two or three. She's like not even empress yet. Um, or <laughs> if they're, if she's just going to be a better person in this show. Cause like the show has already taken like a lot of liberties with historic facts, but, um, it's fun. I recommend it. Uh, that's interesting. I like literally had not even heard of this show. Yeah. Cool. It just popped up on Hulu. I forget why I started watching Hulu. Um, instead of Netflix, but it was recommended to me. And it's with Elle Fanning and mm. uh, Nicholas Holt, who are both, like, way younger Ooh. than me. Like, I know them both as child stars. Now they're grown-ass people, so that's crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> real. Nicholas Holt has, like, the bluest eyes. Yeah, he's very handsome. It's upsetting <laughs> to see someone so handsome and charming playing such a fuckwad. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, Peter the adequate. I love yeah. that. <laughs> oh, I wish I could take credit. I was just. <laughs> oh, and Molly, uh, our friend Molly, uh, also really likes this show. So there's two recommendations. Oh, nice. And then I started watching Solar Opposites, which is mm. from Dan Harmon, who does, uh, who is responsible community. for community. Yeah, Rick and Morty. Yeah. And I haven't finished Rick and Morty. I'm like, I've watched like two seasons of Rick and Morty. I think there are three or four now. But um, Solar Opposites is kind of like third rock from the sun meshed together with Hmm. Rick and Morty. Like they're aliens um, who are living in America among everybody being aliens um, with a vaguely evil plan to take over the world. But they don't really seem to be doing much about it. Um, (laughs) 
Very third rock, actually. It's very third rock for the sun. Yeah, it's very third, huh. except it's a cartoon and it's very violent and it's very Rick and Morty in like almost every other way. It's like the main structure is third rock from the sun and then the tone is Rick and Morty. Uh, interesting. Yeah, when we were prepping for this, what you said that I thought was, or the question that you posed was like, why are we like collectively really into very violent animated shows as adults yes yes i would love to watch to know that and i i feel like watching a show like this and like rick and morty and like several other things that i like or used to like like family guy or south park they also feel like very intentionally male in some ways and i'm Hmm. super drawn to them and i'm like what's that about um i have i don't have a great analysis for this like i i don't know why i like this stuff uh I don't – this show feels a little less intentionally male, although three of the four main characters are dudes. Um, mm. But they they purposefully take on some gender issues in one of their episodes, which features one character running around being like, why are you talking about gender stuff? Everyone's going to get mad at us, and then he'll leave the room. <laughs> so I really enjoy that they, like, oh, lampshade no. it. That's, that's pretty funny. That's funny. It's like – I get, I understand that impulse of like, we're going to get in trouble no matter what we say. So we should just not say anything else. But then the solution ends up being that you continue to tell stories about white dudes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Except for, I guess, in this case, they're aliens. They're aliens. Yeah. They don't, um, they create like a robot wife. Oh, great. Like they, they notice <laughs> that, they notice that their neighbors, really enjoy getting away from their wives and like they don't have a wife they're like two dudes and it's unclear whether they're in a relationship together or whether they're just co-workers um because they're like living together in a family unit with like two alien children um and it is just it is not clear to me what their relationship is they sleep in the same bed they also seem to hate each other they could be married. <laughs> Are they fucking? The most important I, question. I, I don't know. But so <laughs> they create a man cave, but they don't enjoy the man cave. And they're trying to figure out why. And they figure out it's because they don't have a wife who hates the man cave. So they create a <laughs> robot to be a wife who hates the man cave. And they program her. <laughs> they pro- oh my God. They program her to be like... <laughs> Part like the woman from Married with Children, like part Marge Simpson, like part just like every TV wife, like part Betty White. Like they just like they program her to be a TV wife. Great. And she hates the man cave and she's also terrible. But then they like love her because she's like mean to them all the time and they get really into it. I'm just spoiling this whole episode, but they're like really into like how she keeps degrading them. Wow. All right. <laughs> I mean, I know some people who are into that. Yeah, so. it's it's amazing. No judgment. Um, <gasps> I won't spoil the ep- – but every episode is, like, really gruesome and, like, really violent and, like, people get decapitated and their guts and stuff. And I'm just like, why am I watching this? Why do I like this? Mm. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And that, that, like, Rick and Morty does the same thing where it's, like, just, like – blood and guts all the time yeah. and like scatological humor and like yeah it's oh in Brick and Morty there's the character who of was Mr. 
poopy butthole or yes. whatever. <laughs> Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. That. At least, like, at, at, at least in animation, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm enjoying this, like, very gruesome decapitation of a think something that looks exactly like a human being. Yeah. Uh, which is. The, like one of the big reasons that I like hentai, like, I don't have to worry about whether or not actual human beings were like harmed in the making of this. Yes. Uh, also, lots of tentacles. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no argument there. So, uh, oh, kind of like along along the same lines. I'll give it like a shorter review, but I also watched Midnight Gospel, which is on Netflix, mm. which is visually kind of similar. It's by Pendleton Ward, who did Adventure Time, but it's definitely mm. um, it's like gruesome, violent. There's like guts and gore and stuff like that, and it's sort of like the visual backdrop of a very serious discussion show where they talk about like they talk about like yoga and like meditation they talk about death um and mourning they talk about like finding yourself and like finding your life's purpose they talk about like um the way different ways that like psychological not psychological um psychedelic drugs can like have an effect on like your life mm. and your personality and so they've basically taken this like heady kind of woo woo like new age podcast and like laid it on top of a really gruesome visually interesting trippy animated show um and uh it's yeah i keep i watched the first episode with my brother um virtually and so he was like playing it on netflix and i was watching it through zoom <laughs> so i think i didn't have the most the like best viewing experience because the both the video and the audio kept kind of like cutting in and out mm. uh, so i think i need to go back and like try it again yeah yeah i mean i think i'll i keep recommending it to people a lot of people don't really like that um it doesn't s- really ha- it kind of has a plot but like not really it doesn't really have a plot um it's not a plot driven mm. show um and it, it also like only gets like if you thought that first episode was gross it only kind of gets like grosser from there like it's kind of uh nasty so i keep recommending it to people and then being like but not if you're squeamish <laughs> um mm. but i really i really in- enjoy it and it makes me um miss smoking weed and like wish that i uh <laughs> were a person who could tolerate you smoking could weed more because i feel like the show would would really go well with uh substance use um but uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. unfortunately my brain doesn't go well with substance use so um but if you want to get high and watch uh midnight gospel it'll probably be great i recommend it <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah i mean what else are we doing with our time i mean i honestly i don't i don't i don't know i don't know uh (laughs) (laughs) do you have any other shows you want to talk about not off the top of my head is there anything else i've texted you recently that i've watched i feel like whenever i watch a new thing Uh, i tell you about it uh not that i can recall i 
Um, I like that you send me Ashley slash Steve updates. Oh, yeah. This is the cat that lives in your backyard. Yeah. My neighbor's cat, who I thought was a stray cat for like a year and then realized he had an owner. He comes to to visit me and uh, visit my cat through the window, but is very afraid of us. And recently I was able to pet him. And it was just like the highlight of the pandemic (laughs) was that I I got to pet Steve. (laughs) I named him Ashley, but his name is actually Steve. (laughs) He's very sweet. Cute. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that's it. We can do another episode of what we've been watching and uh, I'll catch you up on (laughs) whatever I forgot to talk about here. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, everybody for listening. Um, We'll definitely figure out what we're doing for season four and get back at you at some point in the nearish future. Yeah. Uh, Sorry to be very vague about that, but that's kind of like our lives right now. Yeah. I predict that we'll be back at the end of the summer. Yeah. If you um, love us, let us know. Uh, Continue to recommend us to your friends. All of our existing episodes are still there for your listening pleasure. Mm -hmm. Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. Intertractional is a production of Federation and Fempire, written and produced by Ryan Ascalese and Becca Motola Barnes. Original music by Danny Kavka. As promised, here are the organizations that we highly recommend you go check out, follow, give your money, um, however you want to get engaged. Um, and these are just a small selection of organizations and people that are doing this work. Uh, but we really like these ones. So, of course, Black Lives Matter. Uh, Go to blacklivesmatter.com. Also, the Black Futures Lab. That's blackfutureslab.org. Campaign Zero is specifically advocating for police abolition. Join campaignzero.org. Also, the Trans Women of Color Solidarity Network Fund is one particularly that I think is important. Um, that is a GoFundMe link. So search for Trans Women of Color Solidarity Network Fund on GoFundMe. National Bailout Fund is a um, collection of local bail funds that support Black people and especially Black women who need bail to not sit in jail indefinitely. Nationalbailout.org. Also, the African American Policy Forum is an organization that was co-founded by Kimberly Crenshaw. And as you know, we are intertractional. We take inspiration from intersectionality, and that is a term and a concept originated by Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, So this organization that she co-founded is particularly close to our mission. That is aapf.org. And um, just a couple other folks that I'm following and reading, uh, Ijeoma Oluo, who wrote So You Want to Talk About Race, and Rachel Cargill, who is a lecturer currently touring her series Unpacking White Feminism. I want to thank those ladies and all of these organizations for doing this vitally important work And uh, once again, please go give them money, likes, attention, spread the word, however it is that you can contribute, go do it.